You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Here we are, Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And last time we talked, we didn't get into a few new free agent signings for this Black and Gold team. We actually put together our mock draft 2.0s that we'll get into as well and uh when we close things out will be a fun mailbag edition with whoever comes into the march madness edition sweet 16 of our of our inside black and gold podcast yeah let's 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 go with that this is our sweet 16 pod yukon's gonna win it all don't worry it's gonna happen it's happened before it'll happen again anyway yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna get going with kind of the rundown as we have decided to call it. We're gonna go through, hit a bunch of the news that has happened since the last time we recorded, which was on Monday, and there have been a few things that happened. As Steve mentioned, we both have our mock drafts. So we'll do that in the second segment, and then the final segment, as always, we're gonna do the live mailbag. So anyone watching on YouTube, make sure to get those comments or questions in there, and we will get to as many as we can in the back portion of this program. But to start. We can start with the signings that the Saints have made this week. They brought back defensive tackle Malcolm Roach. They signed offensive lineman Storm Norton, which sounds like a fun name that must have a very fun story behind it. But when we talked to him this week, it was the most boring story in terms of like, it was the most boring naming story relative to the interesting name that I've ever heard. So much so that I don't even feel like it's worth telling do you want to hear the story steve i feel like you've enticed the audience now you must i feel you like must I relay yeah. this info that is so pertinent apparently his <laughs> parents went to like a baseball game i don't even know it might have been like a detroit tigers i honestly don't know and they there was a pitcher his name was storm and they decided at that moment when they have a son they're gonna name him storm and that's where the name came from that's it that's the story Storm Norman. I thought it was gonna have to do. I thought it was gonna have to do with the general uh, Norman Schwarzkopf, Storm and Norman. Yeah, right. I don't. I, I don't know. Anyway. It, did, it did not though. It was so, completely something different. 
Yeah, so Malcolm Roach coming back, I think that's yeah. that's relevant, right? That's good depth on the defensive tackle position, which you needed. You obviously have already signed Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard. And, uh, you know, you're just going to kind of build out that position. Storm Norton's going to be depth on the offensive line. If he ends up starting, you're in trouble. But then the other two, I think, are interesting. And you had cornerback Lonnie Johnson Jr., who is listed as a cornerback, but I'm, he, he actually played more snaps at safety last year than corner. And these are both guys who played for multiple teams last year, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then first former first-round pick, number 27 overall pick in 2019 of the then Oakland Raiders, Jonathan Abram, who is a safety. And it sounds like, you know, when you talk about his role, is going to be a big special teams contributor. And I think both of those guys are going to be interesting to watch in terms of someone's got to play the slot. And I think one of those two guys is going to end up kind of in that role, or at least in that rotation as the season goes on, kind of like you had last year, because you didn't really have a dedicated slot corner, which is kind of a rotation of guys. And I think both of them could potentially um, get in there. It's like Dennis Allen couldn't help himself with Abram. He had to have that, that Raiders connection, right? This, yeah, I guess he wasn't. I mean, he got drafted to the Raiders five years after Dennis Allen got fired. So there's no right, connection right. whatsoever. But yeah, no, I, I think part of it is Jonathan wanted to be here. He's from Mississippi. He referred to it as his hometown team. Uh, he told a story about how when he was a kid, he went to a Saints game. They played the Falcons and he was yelling at Joe Horn. Oh, give me a ball. Give me a ball. And then later in the game, he caught a touchdown from Aaron Brooks and Joe Horn gave him a ball. And he still has it. So like he is a Saints fan. And so he's home playing for the Saints. It's not not quite a Tyron Matthew or a Jarvis Landry homecoming story, but it is pretty close. He played for Mississippi State. I mean, if we're being honest, he probably grew up closer to New Orleans than Jarvis Landry did. So, yeah, and, and I think the one of the reasons you bring these guys in is because they fill kind of this, this role that the Saints are kind of fascinated with, I think, in terms of the secondary is they want one guy who can do at least two different things, maybe more. And P.J. Williams has not been re-signed yet. He might still come back on that one-year deal that he always comes back on. But I think these might be the replacement signings if you were ready to move on from P.J., who I think had a down year last year relative to what you were hoping for. You know, he's 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 a veteran. He's been around for a while. I just don't think he, he was giving you enough last year. You could still bring him back. But I think that that's what this is geared toward, is kind of getting a little more athletic on that front. And like you hear both of these guys talk, and that's really what they hammer is like, I'm willing to do anything. Here's what Lonnie had to say when asked like whether he thinks his better position is actually safety or corner. It, it really don't matter with me. Uh, honestly, that's, that's the uh, God-given talent that um, I have, and that, that's what he had instilled in me to be able to play multiple positions, um, which is a blessing. Uh, I just got to go out there. Like I told them guys, man, I just want to – Focus, hone in on the playbook, uh, learn as much as I can. So whenever it comes, whether it's matchups with tight ends, whether it's me playing in the middle of the field, slot, me going to outside at corner, like I just want to want to show that I can do them all and, and do them all at a at a at a high level and perform at the best level I can for the team. So I mean, like he's six two, he's strong, he's athletic. And so I think if you're the Saints, you're looking for a guy who can do multiple things, who can play in the slot, who can go outside, who can just be that kind of all-around depth. Uh, and I think that's what you kind of have in him. 
even though he hasn't been able to latch on with anyone the last couple of seasons, it seems like. Yeah, the versatility is always, you know, Dennis Allen does a really good job of being able to, you know, find the the right piece for the right job in his defense and has made a lot of guys even more multiple and versatile than I think they expect it to be. You, you, you know, you bring up a guy like P.J. Williams. Well, I definitely don't think um, we can uh, write him off yet, obviously. No. I don't I don't think anyone's breaking down the door to sign P.J. right now, and it'll probably be a, a pretty relative cheap one-year, again, another one-year deal. Uh, but he, he, he has a versatility value to him as well, plus, you know, someone that has been around, someone that you know – is familiar with the ins and outs of everything that Dennis Allen wants to do. But yeah, the problem is obviously he's, he might be getting up there where his abilities are not, not even to say that he was the, the greatest DB that, uh, to have on this team, but he was definitely a piece that, you know, could come through in a pinch kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he ends up anywhere else, right? Like I think he's a guy who knows the state system and they can bring in at any point and feel comfortable with, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he even lands up on he lands on the practice squad, kind of like Chris Harris did last year, and you just kind of use him for a free elevation three times a year, and he gets still gets his paycheck and he still sticks around. It could even be the something depending on the relationship. Like Detroit, I could see Aaron Glenn say, "Hey, you know what? Come on over here, PJ Williams." And if they if they had a good rapport with each other, even with you know anybody like the the other defensive coordinate co defensive coordinators that are now gone to. There could be other tentacles coming for PJ, but I just feel like, yeah, he he seems like a guy that's a, that's going to be New Orleans from start to finish. Tentacles. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting term. But yeah, so one other connection before we move on, Jonathan Abram. He he was teammates in college at Mississippi State with JT Gray, so he knows him yeah. very well. He also knows Tyron Matthew. Previously, they they talked after he signed Tyron. Every every defensive back every, or defensive player, honestly, that signs with the Saints talks about Tyron Matthew, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you when you kind of dive into it because he's basically he's a player that a lot of these younger defensive backs grew up watching and and modeling their game after. Like Lonnie said that he always kind of modeled his game after Tyron Matthew, just kind of a taller version. And his career honestly was weird because he got drafted to the Texans the year that Tyron left Houston and went to Kansas City. He got traded to Kansas City last year, which happened to be the year Tyron left and came to the Saints. And now they're actually on the same roster. And it's just kind of funny to hear these guys talk about it. But here's Jonathan Abram kind of talking about how he fits in in this building. And I do think it's interesting because you're talking about a first-round pick who has basically been cast off as, I mean, I don't want to say a bust, but no one was climbing over themselves to give him a, a lucrative second deal. Like he said that he had other people, other teams interested, but I don't think at the level that you would have hoped after being the number 27 overall pick. And so, you know, the saints are getting a talented player, but I do think they are benefiting from the fact that like, there's no ego coming in. And I think this soundbite from Jonathan kind of underscores that. I mean, I don't really take it personal, you know. Um, more so, like you say, I just try to figure out how I can help contribute, you know, because it's not really about me. You know, it's about helping the team win, no matter what team that is, you know. And the goal is to win a Super Bowl no matter where I'm at, who I'm playing for. So, you know, trying to just do my my, my small part in such a 
in such a big role as you know because it's a team sport you know it takes 11 players that on each side of the ball at all times to contribute and do their part to make sure you know things turn out how we want them to so as far as handling adversity I don't really think it was adversity you know it was just more so me the biggest adversity was just me moving you know from home to home (laughs) you know far as you know trying to figure out how I fit in on each team and you know what I can contribute and what I can help bring to a team you know that never changed you know like I said simply just trying to do my job and just do the best I can and just being who I can be you know making the guys around me better yeah and so you could hear Bobby kind of chiming in there those are both interviews from sports talk this week well I think Lonnie was actually last week no Lonnie was on Monday I can't remember I'm losing track of the days it's Thursday um, so if you want to hear those full interviews, they're both on YouTube. Um, if you want to kind of read more about these players, there are features on both of them at WWL.com. Uh, so feel free to go check those out. And uh, yeah, it's I think that having a first round talent who is willing to show up and go all in on special teams is all you need to know in terms of why the Saints were willing to bring Jonathan Abrams in, right? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm having a hard time not calling him J.J. Abrams, and I'm having a hard time not calling Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle every day, but I'm, I'm trying to avoid it. But I do think, like, so you, Justin Evans signed with the Eagles. He was a guy who you had in that rotation last year. And I think both of these guys serve similar roles in the defense that, that you feel really good about. Yeah, the, the definite key piece being you know you mentioned versatility obviously with these guys being able to play uh a couple of different spots uh in the secondary for the saints and you know i i think that justin evans had a decent first season here in new orleans i know there were obviously there were some some lows but i mean you could say that pretty much (laughs) i I think about everyone but I, i i thought that you know he showed a lot during training camp and kind of was someone that was a a contributor during the season, but really didn't have any huge, you know, big flash plays, but I thought was a solid, a solid piece. Yeah, no, he made the team, right? Like he, he, he played his way out of the roster. I I do wonder whether he would have made the roster had CJ not been traded, right? Like I think that when CJ got traded, it kind of locked him into a, a spot. And he that's that's how he got on the field was in the slot. And in some games when there were safeties out, he would get on there. You know, Marcus May missed several games and he got a lot of run at free safety. And I don't think he excelled in that position. I think he was better in the slot. Um, but yeah, I mean, he played reasonably well. He played as well as you could have hoped. And I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles paid him. So they they clearly felt like they liked what they saw. Um, no, so yeah, I mean, they lost CJ Gardner Johnson, too, now. Yeah, whatever team gets rid of CJ Gardner Johnson is going to put Justin Evans on the roster. That's the that is the deal. But all right, moving on. One other thing that we learned about this week, and I don't really have much to say about it other than I'm looking forward to going out to LA, is the Saints are expected to have joint practices with the Chargers this season, which it's a common a common joint practice team. I think they were out there in 2019 and they I think 2017 as well. So these two teams are pretty familiar with each other. But yeah, it's. I think that's going to be week two of the preseason. So yeah, that's all I got. No, that's definitely a prime setup they have over there. The Chargers uh, in in LA, and I hope you get to stay. We had we had to stay at the the Westin out in Los Angeles last time, and 
I made it a purpose to bring my laptop out to the pool because of the sights were so damn gorgeous from the the ladies attending to the sights you see around with the city it was it's a good time and um yeah just I, I love joint practices just because I feel like you even get better work than a preseason game because you you know you can come back and and go over even a drill again if you want with someone another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24/7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, no, I, I think you do get more out of these joint practices than you than you might in a preseason game, at least for the starters. Like it, it, a lot of the depth players, you'll get more out of a preseason game because you're playing full speed because you're trying to make the team. But for like, you know, for like a Marshawn Lattimore, these are the these are the only real reps he's going to get in terms right. of like you know maybe outside of like one or two plays in the final preseason game, but he's going to have real reps in this setup. So Michael Thomas, another good example. Um, I know they were out in Green Bay this past year. It's funny you mentioned Marshawn because even if he were to get in a preseason game, he'd be like, "Man, I'm not running. This is the okay, you're playing off coverage. You're not jamming anybody. You're not doing anything <laughs> mean a that might be to an injury. Like you're just you're just." making sure you can still run and stuff. Uh, so, but yeah, these are, I'm surprised more teams don't do them, honestly. They have become more popular. Um, but all right, two other things we want to get to. One is kind of just a mind-blowing, like, bizarre story. Foster Morrow, who the Saints had in on a free agent visit, former LSU tight end, New Orleans native, started Jesuit. He was going through a physical with the Saints medical staff, and to me that indicates that they were getting ready to sign him or at least like heavily considering signing him. I don't think you would go through a physical with a team if they weren't like pretty far down the road of bringing you in. And during that process, it was discovered that he has Hodgkin's lymphoma and he's going to have to step away from football as he battles cancer, which is crazy. I don't even, I mean, it's, uh, you know, best, best wishes to him. Obviously keep him in your thoughts, but like, that's just so wild. And hopefully, hopefully he can uh, get through it. Yeah. How, how awful is that? You think, obviously, you're, you're back home. You look like it seemed like, you know, on the, the, the precipice of signing a deal with the, with your back with the Saints, a team probably he grew up rooting for. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, most uh, of, yeah. Uh, but, but man, and then to find out, well, we got some bad news for you. And it's not that we don't want you, it's the fact that, <laughs> we've discovered something and I can't imagine how that conversation went. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. Like Foster. It, I hope you're sitting down. <laughs> it's like, Gosh. uh, why what's, what do you, what's wrong? Right. Yeah. I don't know what he expected to find out in that physical, but I guarantee you it was not that. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting too, because it's like, I think it does show you like, yes, the saints were, were like probably going to bring him in. So right. now they, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with that tight end, but they're clearly looking for another tight end option. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully Foster can get back. I, I think probably the silver lining here is, you know, it's a lot, you know, dealing with cancer is a lot, I don't want to say easier, but more effective if you get to it early 
And I have a, like, I think this is the type of situation where, you know, you might, if you didn't have that physical, you might've gone months and months before you were even aware of it. So hopefully that's a situation where they were able to get it early. And, you know, he seems upbeat about it and hopefully, uh, you know, it's something we're going to keep an eye on, but, uh, yeah, but yeah. So the one other thing I do want to get into before we move on to the mock drafts, Michael Thomas's deal. It's kind of fascinating when you look at it and you talk about some of the incentives. Um, it's actually, and this was a report from Mike Triplett. Uh, he he got it first over at NewOrleans.Football. It's actually not a $10 million guaranteed contract per se. The, the minimum amount is actually about six point something million. And the rest of that to get up to 10 million is tied to availability incentives. And when I say availability, I mean a significant chunk of it is tied to him being on the active game day roster each week. So I think that's 3.74 million that is kind of divvied up between being on the active game day roster and being on the 53 man roster. So like if he's active for all 17 games, he gets all of that money. If he goes on injured reserve, he only gets the 53 man roster bonus, which is much smaller and so I think it's a good a good way for the Saints to be like, okay, we're going to guarantee you this money as long as you're here, right? And I think that's a fair way to do it. Like if you're not available, then you're not going to get all of this money. If you are available, great. We want to pay you. But, you know, I think it's a good way for them to kind of protect themselves a little bit. And so those are the kind of base incentives. And those are the guaranteed incentives of like, if you show up and you're available, you're going to get this money. Literally nothing beyond that. <laughs> All he has to do is be available and this money is his. So that's why it kind of got a little misconstrued as being guaranteed because I think there's like a category of incentives that are like likely to likely to cash and those would be in there. So they're effectively guaranteed. Whereas there's another 5 million worth of incentives that are a bit more interesting in terms of whether he can get to them. But what do you think of that deal, Steve, as you kind of look at it? I think that with with Thomas, you're, you're just hoping – obviously to get I don't even know what to, what to expect what kind of production from him but I think the rework deal is definitely fair for all parties obviously yeah and I think that's that's kind of where you land on it and so then there's another five million of incentives that I find interesting so he has a receptions incentive he can kind of he can earn up to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in increments of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars so like if he gets to a hundred catches, that's 250,000. If he gets to 110 catches, it's another 250,000. If he gets to 120 catches, that's another 250,000. So it's going to be interesting if he is available for all 17 games and he gets to that kind of range where like, oh, you're in week 15 and he has like 96 catches. How much do you pepper him over the final two weeks? Knowing that like, oh, five catches one way or another could be like a quarter million dollar difference in terms of his paycheck. And I do think it's funny because the Saints have always been a team that is willing to shell that out. Like, if you remember Emmanuel Sanders in the 2020 season, that was the case he was in. He needed, like, nine catches to get to his, I can't remember, I think it was a half-million-dollar incentive, catches incentive. And, like, they just peppered him with targets the entire game. Like, there was no question what they were doing. And I do appreciate that. Like, if you're going to give someone incentives in their deal and he can get to it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to screw him out of that money. And the team, like the coaches and the play callers, should definitely not do that. I'll just go through a couple more of them. Receiving yards as well. It's the same setup where 
a thousand yards, he's going to get 250k. If he gets to 1150, that's another 250. 1300, that's another 250. So if he maximizes those out, 120 catches, 1300 yards, he makes an extra 1.5 million dollars in this deal. Yeah, I mean, we hope that he earns that money. Obviously, right? Right. <laughs> right. So there's a few. There's a few others. Receiving touchdowns. If he gets the seven, that's 250 thousand dollars. If he makes the Pro Bowl. Hmm. And the team qualifies for the postseason. So it's it's not or, it's and. Like if he only makes the Pro Bowl, he doesn't get it. If the team only makes the playoffs, he doesn't get it. If he gets both of those things, that's another $200,000. If he makes the all-pro first team, that's $500,000. If he is the offensive player of the year, that's a million dollars. And here's a funny one. If he's the NFL MVP, he makes $500,000. So... The bonus for being offensive player of the year is twice as much as if he if he wins MVP, which is almost guaranteed not to happen because MVP is always a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, when's the, um, last, when's the last wide receiver that's won a MVP award? I don't think there ever has been one. I don't. I I think I looked this up. Like I don't think there's ever been a wide receiver winning it that's won MVP. And and if you could ever pick one, it would probably have been 2019 when he had 149 catches and was objectively the most valuable player on that roster. And I don't think he even got like votes. I don't think it was even close. Yeah, I don't. I so, can't recall like Jerry Rice getting an MVP or, or Randy Moss. I know a couple of running backs have. Like Adrian right. Peterson won it. Like Charles Woodson, I think won it. No, Charles Woodson won the Heisman. He might have won MVP. I can't remember. But yeah. So okay, a couple more Super Bowl MVP. That would be another 500k Super Bowl win plus 110 catches or 1150 yards, 500k. And that's interesting to me because like. They weren't, they wouldn't just hand him that $500,000 incentive and say, if we win a Super Bowl, we're going to give you $500,000. They're saying, if we win a Super Bowl and you contributed to it significantly, we'll give you money. But they're not just going to be like, if we win a Super Bowl without you, we're not giving you half a million dollars. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, I think there was some interesting give and take in these negotiations, I, I think. And if you're the Saints and he hits these, you're like, great. You were the offensive player of the year. We'll gladly pay you an extra million dollars because you earned it. But also, like, you're not just shelling out money to a guy who you can't necessarily trust based on the injury history. So I do think this was an interesting way to set it up. And, you know, hope it'll be fun to watch and see if he maybe can hit some of these incentives. And if he does, then I think the Saints are in real good shape. Yeah, into the deep dive of wide receivers and MVP awards. Uh, has never happened. The closest, yep. Jer Jerry Rice in 87 but Elway took it that year. So if he wins the MVP and not the Offensive Player of the Year, he gets $500,000. If he wins the Offensive Player of the Year and not the MVP, he'll get a million dollars. If he wins both, $1.5 million. So 200 catch season incoming. Yeah, and I guess that shows you right there. It's like you're, you're definitely not getting the MVP. So what was it you said? Offensive Player of the Year is worth more? Yeah. The the other one, it's like, pro, like team gets to the playoffs and makes the Pro Bowl. That's another good example of like if we make the playoffs without you we're not paying you a quarter million dollars if we make it and you're also a pro bowler sure you know and, and i think that's an example of one where he was probably like if we make the play you know that, that was probably a team addition of like we'll give this to you but we want to at least guarantee that you had a, a role in this before we sh we agree to shell out a quarter million dollars because we're a we're like eight and nine and in the in a wild card team right when, um, when, do you, when do you think like the next time we get 
Like we just recently got a medical update from the Pelicans. When are we going to get like a medical update from the Saints on what's going on with Michael Thomas? Because where where is he right now? Do we do we even know in his recovery? We don't, but I mean, I don't think there's any reason to expect him not to be ready. He, I mean, he remember he he got hurt in week three. He had that surgery about halfway through the season. Like realistically speaking, if they had made the playoffs, he would have been on the fringe of being able to get back. I'm not saying he ever was looking to get back, but in terms of a timetable, that's where you would have been looking at. Um, like if they made a deep run and they were going to the Super Bowl, there you might have been in a situation where you could have brought him back. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs, so it never became a conversation. But you would hope, honestly, you would hope to see him at OTAs. Like I, I, if I'm the Saints, and I get it, you're a star, you don't have to be there. But if I'm the Saints and you have a new quarterback and you want to put your right, the right foot forward, no pun intended, I would want to see him at OTAs because I want him to get as much work with Derek Carr as possible. So that's going to be the first question is when these OTAs start rolling in, is Mike there? Is he getting work in? And, uh, you know, I, I, he seems like he's kind of energized with Derek Carr in-house. In, in so I think there's a good chance you do see him. No, I, de- I definitely agree with the whole energized bit because, we, we you know, obviously we talked about it immediately when – you know, thank Jesus, praying hands came together. It just didn't seem typical Mike Thomas tweets of, of rap lyrics or anything. It seemed like, holy crap, we finally got a quarterback here. Yeah, and he changed his bio. Uh, say like, yeah, see you next year this time. We'll talk about it. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. It's been going on. And we will come back and get into our mock drafts. This is Inside Black and Gold. Steve's is wrong. Mine's right. As always, yeah. the wrongness of mine can't even, I can't even delve into, honestly. It's a bold, it's a bold take. Anyway, keep it locked on Inside Black and Gold. We will be 